Welcome to the weekly podcast of Valley Church. I pray that this message will fill you with the hope of the gospel and will help you follow Jesus today. If you would like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, visit valleychurchwv.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Well, let's uh, let's get back into God's Word today. Um, my name is Jonathan. If you're new here to Valley Church, we're studying through the book of 1 Timothy. So uh, join with me turning over there. And um, let me pray for us as we get started with that. Okay, sounds good? Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that, um, God, it informs us as a church how to live as a family. And God, how to follow you. And so, Lord, would you teach us through it today? Um, Lord, you, you've uh, given, uh, given some critical commands to your church that we want to we understand, we want to follow, and we want to honor each other with. And so, God, would you just open up your word today, teach us from it, um, inform us about how to make decisions um, and, and live in faith, Lord. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, good to see everybody today. Um, as, you, as you open up to the book of 1 Timothy, we are going to be in chapter 5 today. And uh, we've been in the series that we've entitled, The Good Fight. And uh, really, it's a, it's a letter. This is a letter written from uh, Pastor Paul to young Pastor Timothy about how to lead the church in a city called Ephesus in, in a time where there was a lot of false teaching going on and in, in a time where there was many different gods that were being worshipped. His encouragement to this young pastor was, fight the good fight of faith. And uh, it's not always easy. Um, man, it's, it's going to require that you be bold, that you speak the truth, and that you confront things in the church that are going on. But man, with, with it all, our, our goal is to glorify God and, and to be a family, be a church, the called out ones. And, uh, and so, so today he continues in chapter 5. Now we started chapter 5 last week. Um, the week before, um, Miss Cora did the message. We want to thank her for that with you Sunday. That was amazing. We, we're embarrassing her royally right now, but she deserves to be thanked um, because man, what an example our youth were for us that Sunday. And uh, they continue continue to be. So we'd love to see more of that. Um, but uh, as we continue, we, we talked about how at the beginning of chapter 5, we're family. We are family. When we talk about, think about the church, our, God is our Father. We relate to one another as brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers. And we talked about how the way that we see each other impacts the way that we treat each other. And so specifically, the chapter talked about caring for, you know, how to relate to one another as brothers and sisters, fathers, mothers, but then it talked about how to care for those who are truly in need. And we talked about widows in the church in that chapter and how to, how to know if someone is truly a widow that the church needs to care for. And we talked about how to honor these, honor these people and, um, and the different things that are going on today within our church and how we care for one another. But as we continue on, basically there's a shift in this chapter and we're going to talk about it, but he takes this shift and he moves from honoring widows to talking about how to honor elders and people, people I would call in leadership within the church. Um, and then there's a variety of subjects and we'll get into it, but let's read the text first and let's, uh, let's just be informed by it and learn from it today. These critical commands, I call them. All right, verse 17, chapter 5, verse 17 Read along with me. It says, Let the elders who rule well 
be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, that, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging. Do nothing from partiality. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. The sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. You know, I love it how when we go to God's Word, it keeps us talking about things that we would not naturally just talk about in a congregational setting because they're not really popular topics. But today we see a variety of things that Paul encourages Pastor Timothy, hey, these are things that you need to know about how to lead God's church, some critical commands. And so we're going to talk today about, about a whole list of what he talked about, talk about how to honor elders, how to approach an elder accused of sin, how to avoid showing partiality. We'll talk about what that is, um, how to onboard potential elders, how to manage a sick stomach, and how to see people the way that God sees them. And so a variety of things that we're going to, that, that are brought up here, but let's begin with the first one, how to honor elders. And I guess the first question is, is this, is what is an elder? Now, first of all, we're not talking specifically about older men and women in the church. That, I mean, we, we call older men and women or seasoned men or women um, elders um, as, as a, a term of respect for just, you know, their, their life experience. And, and we say, honor your elders and, you know, respect your elders. And that's all very good and, and, um, and, and very plain in Scripture that we should do that. But we're not talking specifically about older men and women today. We're talking about those that have been uh, commissioned and um, given, given the role to lead and to teach and to shepherd God's church. And so he talks specifically in verse 17, we'll go back to that and just go verse by verse from here, how to honor these people, elders. And so if you're looking for a description of a qualif qualifications, just turn back to chapter three, you'll see a, a description of these people there in chapter three. But he says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. A couple things. First of all, you notice that it's not just let the elder who rules well. There's an S there, right? So it means that there's a plurality. There's a group of elders. And that, that is at Valley Church what we actually practice here is we have a group of men that, that serve together to lead and shepherd God's church. Now, specifically in our church, one of them, myself, is paid, and the others are our volunteer. Now, I can see in the future as the church grows, we may be able to bring on more 
elders as paid elders because of the role of preaching and teaching, if we would expand that more. Um, but, but he's saying, man, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching, they're worthy of a double honor. And so we wonder, what, what in the world, Paul, do you mean by double honor when you say that? Well, you have to look actually at the beginning of the chapter to understand what does honor mean, okay? So if you looked at chapter, chapter 5, verse 3, he'd begun last week by talking about widows. Remember that? And he said, honor widows who are truly widows. What did he mean? Support them financially. Help them with their needs. And so what he's talking about, about elders is he's saying, man, if, if a widow is worthy of our financial support, then we ought to support those who labor in preaching and teaching in, the, in this role of being an elder. If a widow is worthy of honor, then an elder is worthy of double honor, okay? And so this is a priority for the church. Now, I, I will tell you, and I don't think it really exists here in Valley Church, but there are some churches that say, man, you got to keep the pastor humble, okay? Don't pay him a lot. Just give him the bare minimum, you know, just, just so that he's, he's surviving, okay? And they think that all the church funds should go to caring for the needy. Now, that sounds really great, but it's not biblical. It just isn't, according to, according to this right here. Yes, we should care for the needs of the truly needy, like we talked about at the beginning of this chapter, and we do that here at Valley Church. But we should also, if, if we consider that, we should also doubly consider making sure that we're paying those who are laboring to lead the church. And that here at Valley Church includes not only myself, but also we have a number of part-time staff. We have our, our director of staff and spiritual development, Precious, does that. Um, we have Megan, who leads our Valley Kids Ministry. Um, we have Logan, who, who leads a, a media ministry. Everything you see going out online, that's, that's Logan. Um, we have Angie, who, who's our custodian, keeps, keeps our building uh, clean and ready for ministry. Um, we also have Tina, who's, who's our worship director. Um, each of these positions, they go above and beyond just the call of a, of a volunteer. And I will say we have a whole host of other volunteers that, I mean, some of them may give more time to it, and we wish we could pay them, and maybe someday we'll get there. But, man, we're trying to take seriously this, this scripture that says that the labor is worthy of wages. And so we're trying to honor one another in that way, not just a pastor, but, but a variety of people who lead God's church. And so, so that is, I, I hope I'm explaining this well, but that, that's, that's the meaning of this first verse. He goes on then to give an illustration, verse 18. Keep on reading, okay? He says, For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. And the laborer is, and the laborer deserves his wages. Now, for us here, I think we might need to understand a little bit of the culture back then. Because I don't know if any of you own an ox. Anybody? Okay, nobody here. But I will tell you that an ox back then was basically like your Ford F-150 or your tractor or, you know, I mean, whatever tool you use to get your work done in the day, okay? You needed an ox. And, um, they, basically, the teaching was, is like, 
don't put a muzzle on an ox while he's working so that he doesn't eat some of the grain. No, take that muzzle ox so that he can eat some of the grain. Yeah, you won't get as much grain, but at least he'll be able to renew his strength while he works, okay? It'd be kind of like for your truck saying, oh, I'm not going to give it any gas because uh, I, I don't, I don't want to spend my money on that. But what happens? Your truck's going to die. Or you say, oh, I'm not going to give it an oil change. You know, I'm not going to do the maintenance on it. What happens is he's going to, he's, you know, that, that truck is not, not going not to function very long. And the same thing when it comes to people. That's what, that's what the teaching is. It's better to give the laborer its wages. And he says, Scripture says, okay, so notice he says, Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox. That actually came from the Old Testament, a teaching in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, that says, do not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Okay, so that's from Scripture, okay, um, teaching that a laborer should be compensated. But then second, the second quotation is actually, believe it or not, from Jesus himself. So Jesus himself is saying this, Luke chapter 10, verse 7, the second quotation, and the laborer deserves his wages. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, I think we do. We don't just show up at work and tell our boss, oh, just, you know, pay me whatever. <laughs> we don't do that. We expect to get a certain wage for the work that we've done, especially if we've gone to school for it. And uh, man, you've, you've got student loans that you're paying off. Or man, you, you've got kids that you're trying to feed. Um, man, you're trying to take care, care of your mortgage and your bills. And man, you got, you got people that depend on you. You don't just show up to work and say, yeah, that's fine. And you get back home and your kids are hungry. No, we don't, we don't treat work like that. And that's what Jesus said, is the laborer deserves his wages. So whether it's within the church or without the church, we pay people and value people according to what they give. And you'll notice even in verse 17, it said, let the elders who rule well. Okay? And so this, this is a recognition of value. Recognition, you're doing a good job. Okay, don't we want to recognize people who do a good job? I think we do at Valley Church, and we do in our own businesses as well. We want to value people who do good work and provide value and keep things moving, okay? And so, so that's, that's verse 18. Um, that's a little bit about how to honor elders, but can I just take it a little further to also talk about when you give to Valley Church, not only do you go do some of your tithes and your offerings, go to support the work of myself as an elder, our support staff, um, hopefully in the future, some other, other staff. But also, we do support missionaries as well. And we, we give them support because we believe in the work of missions and that God called us to go into all nations. So Valley Church, when you give every month, we are giving to, to the work of missionaries. We give to Tim and Marge Guerin, who are missionaries in Canada. We give to Crystal Bugle, who's a missionary in Germany. Um, we are supporting Bob and Tessa Yader in Guatemala, Peyton and Allison Leip in Guatemala. We, we also um, uh, give to Dylan and Sarah Renner, who are serving in, in the United Kingdom. 
And uh, every month we are giving them support. And so it's basically like these funds are channeled, channeled to them. Um, these funds are also used for utilities, building maintenance, ministry supplies, uh, the care ministries of the church. Um, I, will, I will also say that whenever we make a budget, it's an act of faith. And this year, pray for us because, again, this week on Thursday, our, our stewardship teams, we're, we're getting together. We're going to make a budget for 2024. We're going to talk about what are, what are some of the expenses that we've had this past year. Where do we need to make some adjustments? Where is God leading us in the future? And so pray for us as we do, because every time we're saying this is an act of faith, God, we trust that, that your body will, will partner with us in this and that um, you will provide through us what you want to get done. Um, if you look, let, let's just take a moment to praise God, because if you look at our bulletin, you will see that God has more than supplied our needs so far in 2023, hasn't he? So let's just give God a praise right now for that. Because at the beginning of the year, we presented what we would call a stretch budget, where we actually took on two more part-time staff, and we also presented the For the Valley campaign. We're raising $40,000, okay? And you can see so far, over 30000 of that 40000 has come in, okay? We're getting close to being, being able to do that renovation, okay? So praise God for that. We are also, and this is normal, just a little bit behind in our general fund giving, but that's normal, guys. Um, when, when we came to the church in 2021, at the, at the end of the year, without stretching our budget, we were $50,000 behind in our budget goal. And so God has been providing and um, laying it on the hearts of each of you to give faithfully. Um, if you're not, I challenge you, encourage you, I invite you to that. Um, just see how God shows up. But man, people are getting saved. We're helping people. We're serving people with the gospel. We're reaching the valley. And, um, and so I want to just thank you. I want to honor you um, for the sacrifices that each of you are making to see the ministry of Valley Church go forward. And I also want to thank each of you who serve in positions that we can't yet pay. But man, you give your time and your energy toward that. Um, you guys should be blessed. Um, we are very thankful for the sacrifices each of you make in that way. Okay? So um, that is, that is um, number one, how to honor elders. Second, let's, let's move to verse 19, okay? How to approach an elder accused of sin. And I want to just warn you, right now we take a turn where things are going to get a little bit heavy, okay? So let's read verse 19 and, um, and let's talk about it because these are real scenarios that happen in real churches. And, um, and so we're, we're instructed how to deal with this. It says, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. We'll just pause there before we go on. He says, do not admit a charge against an elder. What he's doing is he's trying to create a balance between believing every little gossip that, that comes out against someone in leadership and taking that seriously. 
um, or you know, ignoring accusations because a person is in leadership. He's trying to strike this balance between the two. How do we do it? He says, do not admit a charge unless it's given by two or three people who heard the gossip. No, two or three witnesses. These are people who are witnesses of that, okay? I know if you've been in the church for a long time, things fly around, people love gossip, and just, just to let you know, Satan's goal is to steal, is to kill, is to lie, is to destroy. And some of the primary tactics that, that he uses in the church are gossip and slander and sowing seeds of discord. And I, I've been in churches like that before, and it is destructive. Um, let me just quote a little bit of something I read this week, William Barclay. He said, nothing does more harm than when some people are treated as if they can do no wrong and others as if they could do no right. Wow. Paul says here, any accusation against an elder should not be admitted or received unless it's been verified by two or three witnesses. So let me just, just also be real. Pastors, elders, church staff members, um, even as Tina talked about this morning, we're not perfect. Uh, there are times when we struggle with things. And, um, and, and even though we struggle, we need to lead by example. And so that's, that's why he goes on to talk in verse 20 about how do you deal with someone who you see is struggling with sin? Keep on reading. Verse, verse 20. He says, As for those who persist in sin... Rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. Now, that sounds very harsh, but, but I just want you to notice, that's the last step instead of the first step. Um, I'll just point you to Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, for just a second. Um, I'll read it for you. It says there, brothers, if anyone, so that's not just pastors or elders, that's the whole church. If anyone, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In that instruction, we, we see that if, if we see a brother who is walking in sin, what, what are we instructed to do? Go to them in a spirit of gentleness. doesn't matter what the position is. If they're an elder in the church, if they're a ministry leader, if they're a serve team director, um, it doesn't matter who they are. If it's me as your pastor, if you see that I am struggling in sin, you're instructed to come to me not with a harsh criticism, not, to, not with a condemning word, not with a, you need to stop doing that. You need to come with a spirit of gentleness to confront me with my sin, okay? But it says, if that elder, if that person persists in it, so in other words, they don't receive it, they don't change, they cover it up, they continue doing it, then what are you to do to make an example of them? Say, hey, this person is doing this wrong. He's unrepentant of it. He's not following Jesus. And, and, and you take him out of that ministry position so that 
the rest, meaning other pastors, other elders, the rest of the church, may understand the serious nature of this position. It's important that we do that. So, so, so again, that is how, um, how to approach an elder that is accused of sin. Now, I will, I will also um, say, from example, um, from experience, there are a lot of churches that struggle with this. Either they allow gossip and slander and discord to just spread and destroy the character of a leader, or they use the leadership position to protect that person from receiving critique, um, from, uh, from, from basically the accountability that they need, okay? Tell you in Valley Church, our elders and our serve team directors, our ministry leaders, do not exist to protect leaders from criticism. We're here to lead. We're here to help each other. Okay, and just like Galatians 6 verse 1, we're here to confront one another so that we can, we can follow Jesus together. We're not here to protect one another, okay? And if you see that going on, your job is Galatians 6 verse 1. You who are spiritual, confront it. Confront it, Okay. So that's how to approach an elder accused of sin. Verse 21, keep on going. He's going to talk about then how to avoid showing partiality. We touched on this a little bit, but let's just read the verse and we'll, we'll explain it. Verse 21, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging. Do nothing from partiality. I also want to just read the translation of the New Living um, because I, I think you'll get the seriousness of it in some different words. It says in the New Living Translation, I solemnly command you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. You see the tone and the seriousness of this? So don't let favoritism or partiality or position cloud your judgment. If sin needs to be exposed, corruption needs to be uncovered, false teaching corrected, abuse punished, obey God's word. This is our authority. This is our standard. And so don't, don't be afraid of it. Um, just because that person might be in a position of authority does not mean that you have no authority, does not mean that they're exempt from accountability. And so don't show partiality. Uh, keep on going, verse 4, uh, or the, verse 22. He's going to talk then about how to treat potential elders. Keep on reading. 22, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others, but keep yourself pure. And so here, here what, what, what he's talking about is how to treat potential elders. He says, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands. Okay, when we hear that, I'm going to lay my hands on you. It doesn't mean being violent towards someone. It means that basically, we had this example with Cliff Lowe a few months ago, was what did we do? We brought Cliff, Cliff in, 
We, um, we brought him through a process of ordination. We, we measured his life and his doctrine. And after the elders and our elders' elders' wives were also involved in that as well, once we had confirmed his calling and his doctrine, that, that he's, he's on a path, he's been called into ministry, now then we brought him before the church and we laid hands on him to ordain him into ministry. Basically saying, we affirm that God has placed a call on your life whether it be that you're, you know, acting on it as, you know, as a layperson right now, maybe in the future, um, when, when, you, when you get into a position where you can pastor or lead a ministry. Um, but man, right now, we're affirming God has called you into ministry. And uh, even with the men's ministry that he's starting, this is just, just in action. He said, this is something I believe God's calling me into. I want to be faithful to him. I want to act in obedience. And so we ordain him into that. But what he says is, don't be hasty in it. Don't do it quickly. Don't feel like you have to be in a rush to do it. And um, the reason being is that, uh, you know, some people aren't what they, what they seem just on the surface. It takes time to see if someone can prove himself. And, and we've seen that in Cliff, and we've also seen that in, in our elders. And I will tell you, some of the best advice that I have gotten when it comes to leadership is don't be quick about it. Don't just throw someone into a position and expect that they're going to be great. Allow them to prove themselves first and then affirm them. Okay, we've been in places where we would love to have more elders. We would love to have more leaders. But I've learned that it's better to not fill the position and just get it filled and it end up being the wrong person than to wait and let the right person that God has in, <clears throat> in mind for this position fill it. And if you, if you lead a business, or you're a manager, or if you hire people, it's the same kind of concept. Take your time. Slow down. Um, man, it's going to be slower on the front end, but man, you're going to save yourself a whole lot of heartache, a whole lot of money, I will tell you, um, because then you don't have to deal with all this retraining and training and a hiring process all over again. Um, maybe, maybe even for someone that, that is dishonest, you're not going to have to deal with that. Take your time. Make sure that they've proven themselves before you hire someone into a position. This is just basic wisdom. Um, but uh, God's Word speaks to it, okay? Don't be hasty, in the laying on of hands. And then he says, keep yourself pure. Don't share in the sins of others. Okay. We deal with enough sin on our own to just jump in into being involved in things that other people are doing that is sinful. So be careful. Watch yourself. Okay. Keep on going. Here's where things get interesting. Verse 23. I'm sure you've all been waiting for this one, but you'll notice it's in parentheses. Uh, it's kind of like a unsolicited medical advice. Um, really interesting. He says, no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Did you know the Bible said that? It's, it's interesting, okay? So, first of all, don't you love it when people give you unsolicited medical advice? <laughs> I, I, you know, I know all these... Um, <clears throat> Those people that are into essential oils, who's into essential oils here still? Okay, it's, I think it's dying off, guys. 
praise the Lord, okay? <laughs> but uh, man, you, you know, I'm just pointing you out because some, sometimes you do this, but you'll say, oh, put some lavender behind your ear. It'll help with your arthritis or, you know, um, one of the things that, one of the best um, advice we got unsolicited was actually from an elder's wife. This doesn't leave here online. This doesn't leave here. An elder's wife told us when, our, when one, our children were teething, she said, get a little whiskey <laughs> and rub it on their gums. <laughs> oh, unsolicited medical advice. I know that uh, that must be a West Virginia thing. I'm just saying. But I guess it works. I did do some research, though. It's not recommended by the medical field. <laughs> All right. Um, I will also never forget uh, watching my big fat Greek wedding. What's, what's his advice? Windex. Windex, okay. I can just imagine Paul here. He, he's saying, you know, I might not be a doctor, but take a little wine. It's good for your stomach, okay. Let's understand, what is Paul not saying? He is not saying, Timothy, pastoring is stressful, you know, have a drink once in a while, okay? He is not saying that. Um, he is also, at the same time, he's not prohibiting Christians from drinking alcohol. So, so there's a balance here, okay? What, what is he saying? I think culturally, we might be informed that, um, that water back then was not the best, okay? There's a lot of bacteria in the water, and maybe, I'm just saying, maybe Timothy was trying to um, abstain from drinking alcohol to set a good example, but Paul's noticing, hey, Timothy, you got a lot of stomach issues because you keep on drinking the water, okay? And so take a little wine. It's good for your stomach, okay? He's not saying get drunk. He's not saying drink all the time. He's saying take care of your body. Do the things that are going to help your body. And back then, um, as it is, uh, if you would go over to Europe, um, and and even even here in the United States, you don't have to be a drunk when you drink wine. Okay, we're told to stay in control, um, to to not let our body get out of control. And so so I think the the wisdom that Paul is bringing us here is that uh, take care of yourself, especially if you're if you're in ministry. Um, no, don't get drunk. If you are going to drink alcohol. Um, consider those that you are around first when you drink it, um, because there may be people who's, who have a family history with that, uh, family history that is full of a lot of pain. Um, and also consider yourself in that as well, that uh, maybe you have an addictive nature. Maybe you are prone to drinking more than you should. And if that's the case, um, man, save yourself the heartache, save your, save your reputation, and I would encourage you, abstain, okay? Now, if your water is bad, maybe if you live in Payton City, this might be good advice, okay? But if you live in New Martinsville, okay? All right, enough said. Did I explain that well enough? Hopefully, all right. How to manage a sick stomach, that's a good one. All right, keep on going, we have one more left. And um, this is in verses 24 and 25. And here we see instructions on how to see people the way that God sees them. And I think we, we, we're going to get some good application from this. 
Let's read these verses and we'll explain them. Verse 24 says, the sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment. The sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. I want to just bring an example that, uh, that I think helps, helps me understand this. Have you ever used a, a book like this called The Magic Eye? Yeah. Um, basically, it's just these crazy images that, um, that if, you, if you look at them long enough or in the right way, um, go cross-eyed or look through it or something like that, um, I, I can't usually make it work for me, to be honest. Um, some of you are really good at it. But if you look at it long enough or hard enough or in the right way, you'll see the, the hidden image that, that is in this book. Um, but if you don't, it just, it just remains hidden. It's just like a, a blob, you know? And that is, that's what, what Paul is communicating here is, is some people, we, we look at their lives and, and we can see obvious sin and struggles in their life so that we can, you know, even, even as Galatians 6 says, you who are spiritual, go to them in a spirit of gentleness and, and help them follow Jesus. Other people, they're really good at covering up their sin. And uh, they, they take this hidden sin and take it into judgment with them. Um, some people it's obvious, some, some people it's not. And I think um, as he's talking about leaders, that's part of his advice about waiting, not being hasty, letting someone prove themselves, letting someone go through pain and, uh, you know, through, through, through just, you know, the, the experience of being in ministry before you put them into a position where you're going to start trusting them with more, um, giving them a salary, um, letting them represent the church in, in that way. And so he's saying, he's saying watch, watch their life. Watch, watch how they live. Some people, it's obvious. Some people, it's not. And so take your time. But let's, let's also recognize, I think there's a message in this for us as well. And, and if, you, if you just think about this personally, each one of you are probably sitting here and you're like, yeah, I, I, I know that there's, there's parts of my life that are, are like this right now. I come to church and people see this. They don't know what's on the inside. They don't know what I'm dealing with. They don't know what God is dealing with me about. And can I say that um, you're not alone. Each one of us live like that. And um, the encouragement from the scripture is this. Don't stay like that. Walk in the light, scripture says. And, uh, and that, that's the gospel. No one is perfect. I, as your pastor, am not perfect. Our elders are not perfect. Our leaders are not perfect. But man, we're striving to follow Jesus. And my encouragement for all of us is, is if you haven't received the gospel for yourself, this is a moment for you to receive it. Whether maybe you call yourself a Christian or not, maybe you're living as if you're just walking, walking in the darkness trying to cover up your sin so that people don't see it. That's not the gospel. The gospel is this. Walk in the light. Come to Jesus, who is the light of the world. I want to just, just encourage you from 1 John chapter 1. 
And it says there, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Those are beautiful words that are truth, that are the gospel. It's the reason why Jesus Christ came. He came to us. He took on human flesh. He suffered and died for us. Not so that you can just bury and cover up your sin and hide it in the darkness, but that you can come and walk in the light and receive his forgiveness, receive his cleansing. That is for you today. Verse 8 goes on and says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You're deceiving yourself when you try and cover up your sin. When you think that, when you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good at covering up, pretty good at putting on a good, good image in front of other people. You're deceiving yourself. It says the truth is not in us. But, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That deserves a hand, doesn't it? It does. So praise God. You may not feel like you're worthy to be a leader, to walk in a position of, of leadership, but man, Jesus Christ is the one who makes you worthy. And man, all the, all the pain that you may have gone through might just be preparation for you to take a position in God's church to minister to others. It might not be paid. It might be paid. We don't know. But man, God has called you to serve in his church and to minister to one another. I want to encourage you in that. Um, just because you've gone through that does not disqualify you from serving God. Walk in the light. Receive his forgiveness. Walk in, walk in God's purpose for you. As we close, we'll invite uh, DJ and Tina to, to come on up and, and close us out. They're going to sing a song, and it's, uh, it's called Reckless Love, and it talks about Jesus as the good shepherd. Obviously, our role as elders is to shepherd and lead, but at the end of the day, Jesus is our shepherd. He is our leader. We look to him. And there is a line that says this, there is no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Receive the word of God for you today and walk in the light. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we, um, we're all humbled by it, recognizing that you've saved us as people who have been estranged from you, but yet are called to walk in the light. Lord, there's, there's no shadow you can't light up with your truth, with your gospel. There's no hurt that you can't heal. There's no pain that you can't turn into purpose. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our Savior, being our Lord. And I want to just call upon those here right now maybe have been covering things up like that magic eye book thinking they put on a good front god you know that that you want them to walk in the light so lord i just want to give them an opportunity right now to confess their sins to you to come to you as savior and lord in this moment of silence right now
Thank you, Lord, for your incredible love. Thank you that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God, we bless your name today. And we want to sing about it. We want to rejoice in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Valley Church. If you were impacted by today's teaching or made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love to hear from you, pray for you, and walk with you. To connect with us, visit valleychurchwv.com. There you will find resources on following Jesus and information about how to partner with us here at Valley Church as we seek, serve, and send disciples of Christ.